Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, great to see everybody. And if you haven't been to Growth Track, give us four weeks. It will change your life. And I believe that it's going to be at 930 starting next Sunday morning. Well, today I want to continue talking about hosting the presence of God. And if you are a Christian, it literally is the second most important thing about you. What you believe about God is the most important thing. But how you host the presence of God on the inside of you is really so, so important. So I want to start again with John chapter 16 and verse 7. Jesus said, I tell you nothing but the truth when I say that it is profitable, good, expedient, and advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send them to you to be in close fellowship with you. Now, literally what Jesus is telling us is that we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just like you have a relationship with a friend. In fact, I believe the Holy Spirit should become our very best friend. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the, the aspects of the Holy Spirit or one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, Knowing this, first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, but prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In, now, if you look just a little bit before this, Peter is talking about being on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Peter and James and John are there with Peter. Moses and Elijah appear. A voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he says, we were there. We saw, we heard. He said, but we have a more sure word. And that more sure word is your Bible. It's more sure than any voice, than any vision, than any supernatural experience. In fact, any voice, any vision, any supernatural experience needs to be judged by the word of God. But then notice that he says that holy men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The word of God was literally given to us by the Spirit of God out of the mouth of God. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So God's word was first spoken, then it was written. And as you've heard me say, probably it was written so that you could speak it. So we would know what to say. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, Psalms 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Now, notice that both of them have to do with something that's close to you. But it's telling us that God's word is going to show us what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. God's word 
is God's will for your life and my life. It's God speaking to us. And he, he tends to show us just what's right in front of us. Now, what we typically want is we want airplane landing lights. We want to see down the road two miles and know everything that's going to happen. But you know, if God showed us everything like that, number one, it would probably scare the eebie-jeebies out of us. And number two, it wouldn't take faith. We wouldn't need to be in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit so that every time something comes up, we wouldn't need to be in that close fellowship and get a word from the Lord. You see, the two things that you and I need to understand or need to know is we need to know the word of God, but we need to know the spirit of God. See, in the word and the spirit, they always agree. And it's the word of God that lifts us up. And it's in Psalms 119, verse 25. The psalmist said it this way. He said, my soul clings to the dirt. Another translation says, I collapse in the dirt. How many of you have ever collapsed? How many of you blew it? I mean, something you did like, I ain't doing none of that. And you did it. I mean, you collapsed in the dirt. He says, my soul clings to the dirt. You may be, in fact, let me say it like this. You can be saved, love God, pray, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be a spiritual person, be the best Christian. And how many of you know that your mind is still going to go crazy from time to time? I'm telling you, Billy Graham had thoughts at times and he went, where in the world did that come from? You see, your, your soul, your mind has a tendency to go to the dirt, to the natural things. But he, the rest of the verse says, revive me according to your word. It's the word of God that gives us strength, that picks us up. It's the word of God that straightens us out. Jesus, as he's talking with not just his, his, his disciples, but there's a large group with him. And, and, and he tells them, this is what he says. He says, either make the tree good and then its fruit will be good or else make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. Jesus is not talking about trees. He's talking about you and he's talking about me. The word of God is the same for every person, correct? It's the same. In fact, we just read it. The, the Bible says that there is, it is of no private interpretation. What that means is it doesn't mean one thing to you and something else to you. There's just one interpretation. But now listen, there are 10,000 applications. It may be applied in your life different than it is in my life, but there's just one true interpretation of the word of God. So Jesus said, make the tree good. He's talking about make your heart good. And when you make your heart good, the fruit's going to be good. He said, or just make the tree bad. He said, because then the fruit's going to be bad because the tree is known by its fruit. So Jesus tells this parable in Mark chapter four. And he says, the sower goes out and he sows the word. He says, and some of it, it lands on the path. And some of it in stony ground. And some of it, it seems to be good ground, but then thorns and thistles grow up and it gets choked. And some of it, he said, lands on good ground. So everybody, the sower sows the word. In Mark, I love what it says in Mark. It says the word of the kingdom. Now, I've talked a little bit about this, but in Western Christianity, for the most part, we tend to have a gospel of get to heaven. But what Jesus taught was a gospel of the kingdom, which is get heaven to earth. 
So these are the ones by the wayside. He said, the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. He takes away the word that was sown in their heart. These are people that hear the word, but they disregard it. They may, may, they may literally mock it. They may forget about it or displace it with philosophy of, of some philosophy of this world. And Jesus said what's really happening is Satan is stealing that word from them. You know, we hope they get another opportunity and that their heart changes. But it's not the word that makes the difference. It's the heart that makes the difference. Then he says, these likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground. who, When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, he says, the word again, it's sown, but it's stony. And this group, when there's problems, when there's tribulation, when there's persecution, when, when it's inconvenient, it's amazing to me how many people just want everything to be easy. But Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus was saying that living the Christian life is daily dying to yourself. It's not easy. It's so often people will come up for prayer and, and they'll say, pray for me. And I'll say, well, you do something. And almost always, this is what people say. Is it easy? Is it easy? Because we want everything to be easy, but it's not always easy. And Jesus is saying those that are looking for the easy thing, those that just go with the flow, he said, they're not going to produce fruit. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in, choke the world, word, and it becomes unfruitful. So they start out right, but then they begin to pursue other things. Now, he says it can be the cares. How many of you know there's a lot of those? It says it can be the deceitfulness of riches that we put our trust in money. And money talks to just about everybody. And it says, if you just had more, you'd be safe, you'd be secure, you'd be somebody, you wouldn't hurt, you'd be respected. If you just had more money, you'd be this, you'd be that. It's the deceitfulness of riches. And then he says, it comes in, it's the desire for other things. You can put anything in front of the kingdom, can't you? But Jesus said to seek first the kingdom. And I think I'm preaching to the choir because you're here on Sunday night on a rainy Sunday night. That's good. Right? So we're seeking first the kingdom. But what, what determines where we go is our heart. And Jesus said, you can make your heart good or you can make it bad. And when the, when the soil's right and the word of God comes, it produces. That's why the Bible tells some Proverbs for keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Because whether you're, where you're going to go in life, what you're going to do in life, whether it's going to be fear-based, fear faith-based, it springs out of your heart. So Romans 12 and verse 2 says this. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Change the way you think. Now, you may not have grasped this, but honestly, the purpose of the Bible is to change how you think. 
That's the purpose. Because God wants you to think like he thinks. Now, you go to the bookstore. <laughs> who goes there anymore? Nobody. They're all going out of business. But you, when you look at a book and you read that book, you're reading the thoughts of the person who wrote it. But when you're reading the Bible, it's not the thoughts of Peter, James, and John. It's the thoughts of God. See? And that's why the Bible tells us to receive with meekness the engrafted word. What that means is this. When we're meek, we're humble. And when God says one thing and we think something else, we take what we think and we throw it away. And we take what God thinks and we embrace that. In fact, the Bible calls it engrafted. Those of you that are, that are familiar with horticulture know that when somebody wants to engraft into a tree, the first thing they do is cut something out. And then they put something in. And they take great care to make sure that it stays there. That they wrap it and they, they, they embrace it so that it stays. And what it's saying is that when our ideas disagree with God, we need to cut ours out and we need to carefully put God's in. And, and we need to support it. And we need to make sure that it takes and that we, that we take that new God idea. And it says, then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. The King James says, then you'll know that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. When, when our minds are renewed, we're able to discern what God's will is and what God's will is not. We spot an open door or a closed door. We recognize what's from God. When there's a talent or a dream that we have, we recognize it's from God or it's not. When we have a desire, when our minds are renewed, we understand this one's from God, this one's not. When the prompting of the Holy Spirit comes and our minds renewed, we know that it's God. It helps us put pain into perspective. Now, there is no change in the gospel. The gospel that we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all through your Bible, that is the same gospel that we're to have today. In Jude 3, it says, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Uh, I'd like to park there, but let me just say this. When you get saved, I want you to picture this. When you get saved, picture that you get a package and it's salvation in there. Now, the Bible says it's a common salvation. So what that means is this, that everybody gets the same package. Nobody got something in their package that you did not get. So anything God did for anybody else came out of their package. And if it was in their package, it's in your package. It is a common salvation. And it literally means not common in quality, but it means it's common because every one of us receives the exact same thing when we get saved. It is a common salvation. I found it necessary to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. In other words, what you find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in Acts and Romans and Corinthians, that is the exact same faith that we're to have today. It was given once, and it was for everybody, for all. So God didn't say 100 years later or 300 years later, all right, Christianity's established, and now we're going to take away 
all the stuff the Holy Spirit does. We're going to take away all the miracles. We're going to take away all the supernatural. And now you just need to tough it and believe it. You know, you say, well, I'm believing for this. God says, no, no, there's nothing now. It's just pie in the sky. But how many of you would like some pie now? And what the Bible is saying is that it was given once for all. That what God did then, he's doing today. What the Holy Spirit did then, he is doing today. And there is no superior or different revelation than the revelation that was given, and it's in our Bible. Galatians 1, 8, For even if we are an angel from heaven preach to you another gospel, then what we preach, let him be accursed. He's saying the gospel that you've got, the one that we've delivered to you, that is the true gospel. There's not going to be another one that's superior. There's not going to be another one that's different. That is the gospel. That was my introduction. And I wanted to get to this. Second Timothy 2, 15. Be diligent to present yourselves to God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Think about that. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to use God's word properly and we need to divide the word of truth. There's a, there's a story about a guy and he says, I need a word from God. And uh, he opened his Bible and just went, looked at it and it said, Judas went out and hung himself. He said, oh, I don't like that one. <laughs> Flipped over, did it again. Read that one. Go and do likewise. <laughs> You know, how many realize the whole Bible's for us? And we just don't kind of like pick out little parts. But, uh, Matthew 19, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're, they're testing Jesus. And they come with a question. And this is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, well, why did Moses command us to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. I want to be talking for a, a couple minutes about dividing the word of truth. Now, notice what Jesus is saying here. God's original plan was never divorce. Got that? That was never God's original plan. It was permitted. It was just permitted because of people's hearts, hearts. But it wasn't so from the beginning. That was not God's plan from the beginning. And so often what people do is they take things that are permitted and consider it God's best. But we do that because we're not rightly dividing the word of truth. We can even, we talked a little bit about it this morning, but you can even look before and after sin. Before sin, we've got a beautiful garden. There's perfect fellowship. There's perfect health. There, there, there's perfect relationship with Adam and Eve, with each other, and with God. Sin comes into the world. Death comes into the world. Sickness, disease, famine, war, pestilence, prejudice, addiction, every evil thing comes into the world. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's God's will. But that's not God's will. 
When the devil gets thrown into the pit in Revelation 20:10, everybody can say, praise the Lord. Here's what it says after that. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first earth and the first for the first earth had passed away. There's also no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He'll dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Do you know what? When we get rid of the devil, we get back to God's original plan. We get back to God's original plan. But some people take that part in between Genesis, first two chapters, and Revelation, the last two chapters, where we get rid of the devil, and they say that's God's perfect will. But we need to rightly divide the word of truth. What happened in between is God's plan for redemption to get us back to that place where we're once again in a beautiful garden with God in perfect fellowship with no pain or sorrow or death or sickness or disease. So things happen in that in-between time. Another thought, God's original plan was for all of Israel to be priests. That was what he said. He says, you're all going to be my priests. But then they sin in the, the affair of the golden calf. And God, Moses comes down the mountain and they're worshiping the golden calf and there's all sorts of licentiousness going on. And Moses said, those that are on the Lord's side come here and the Levites separate and the Levites go through and, and execute judgment. And then God said, well, because of the, what the people have done, he said, we're going to have just one tribe of priests. We're not going to let the whole nation be priests anymore. Now, when you get into the New Testament, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 that he made you to be a king and priest to God his Father. In the New Testament, everybody is a priest. Hebrews 10 verse 9. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Rightly dividing the word of truth. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. The first it's referring to is the Old Covenant. In your Bible, it's called the Old Testament. And he says he takes that away. He says you are not made right with God by obeying rules and regulations any longer. In fact, in Romans 3 in verse 20, it says no one has ever been made right with God by obeying the law. No one ever has been made right with God. But he took away that. That old covenant he took away. Now, I grew up in a denomination where every Sunday we read the Ten Commandments. Nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. But God said that's not for righteousness. In fact, the Ten Commandments, part of those were specially given to the Jewish people. And so we were brought up that you were holy and you were right with God if you obeyed all Ten Commandments and you didn't do anything on Sunday. I mean, literally, we could not turn the TV on. We weren't supposed to. We couldn't go outside and play. Could not do that. We couldn't do anything on Sunday, and that made us holy. I'm ashamed to tell you this, but this is true. 
I remember driving down our street on Sunday. Somebody was cutting my grass. And my parents said, they're going to hell. They're, going, they're cutting their grass on Sunday. They're going to hell. Same day, somebody was washing their car. And they said, they're going to hell. They're going to hell. They're washing their car. In the Old Testament, if you were under the Old Testament law, how many of you know you needed to obey? You need to obey that. And, and here's the crazy thing. It wasn't Sunday. It was Saturday. <laughs> we even had the wrong day, but we didn't care. But for righteousness sake, he takes away the first. The old covenant will not make anybody right with God. And you, 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 you do not please God by trying to, to, to not cut your grass on Sunday. The Old Testament for righteousness is gone. He took it away and he established the second. And the second is by the blood of Jesus. It's by the blood of Jesus. Job chapter one. How many have been to a funeral and heard this scripture? Job uh, fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How many heard that one? Okay. Job is talking with his three friends. They're going back and forth. And God shows up. And this is what God said. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? So here's what God said. Job, would you shut up? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Literally. God said, Job, people that listen to you walk in darkened counsel because your words are without knowledge. So you know what a lot of people do? They get all their doctrine from Job. And God said, you listen to Job. You will walk in darkness. He says, you darken counsel. We need to rightly divide the word of truth. In fact, if you would just look back a little chapter, the thing about Job was he could not look at Job chapter one and two. They hadn't been written. So he couldn't look and see that it was the devil that did all those things that he was accusing God of. So we need to rightly divide the word of truth. Elijah is, uh, he, he's talked to the king and, the, and he, he's, he's leaving and the king sends a captain with 50 men. And the captain with 50 men says to Elijah, he's sitting on top of a hill. He says, come down. The king says, come down. And he says, well, if I'm a man of God, may fire come down and consume you and your 50. Fire comes from heaven, consumes them. The king sends another captain with his 50. He says, the king says, come down. And a prophet said, well, I say, if I'm a prophet, let fire come down from heaven and consume you. And fire comes down and consumes him. Right. I read that and I like, whoo. <laughs> wow. That's why God does not anoint some of us, right? <laughs> We've been going on. That person cuts you off. Bam! Flatten all their tires and flip their car. Okay. Now, now listen, listen. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's going, going the, the, the Samaritans who have a tremendous amount of prejudice against the Jews aren't receiving him. The Bible says then his disciples, James and John, they saw this and they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? 
And Jesus turned and rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you're of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. He said, what you're about to do is in the wrong spirit. It's the wrong spirit. Now, I want to tell you what I believe. I believe with all my heart that what Elijah did was in the wrong spirit. He had the anointing of God on his life and was able to do it. But Jesus said it was the wrong spirit. And Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save men's lives. Now, one more thought about rightly dividing the word of truth. We talked a little bit about it this morning. Acts 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So often people blame God for sickness and disease, but it's not God. John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. We need to rightly divide the word of truth. Again, in James, it says every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We need to recognize if it's not good, if it's not perfect, if it doesn't bring abundant life, it's not from God. And the things that kill, steal, and destroy, those are the things that come from the enemy. Would you please stand for just a moment? I originally wasn't planning to do this, but we've been talking about rightly dividing. And uh, when it comes to the, the attacks of the enemy, when it comes to sickness and disease, we need to recognize that those are not the things that come from God. And I, I want to just invite anyone that's here tonight, if there's something in your life that at some point you believed was something that was from God, but you realize it's not God, it's not God's will. In fact, if you're here and there's something that you say, I know this isn't God, I just want someone to agree with me that this thing is going to be broken off my life, that there's going to be healing in my life, that the abundant life that Jesus wants for me is going to flow to me. I just want to invite you, just come forward right up front here, just make a line, and we're just going to, as a group, we're going to pray over you. I'm just going to come by, just going to lay hands on you. We're just going to take a moment. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.